So, how's life? Okay. Cool. How's your job? Busy. How busy? <laughs> very, <laughs> very busy. Okay. Unbelievably busy? I would say so, yes. Yeah. Where do you think it's going to go for you, your job? If we just say and we just leave it that you work in health, public health. It's hard to know where it's going to go. I think most people are aware of the stresses and strains on the NHS and the stresses and the strains of the people that work in the NHS and how short they are of everybody, nurses, doctors, midwives, healthcare assistants, ward clerks, porters, cleaners, housekeepers and each member of the NHS is under stress and strain. That's interesting actually, you, you, it's interesting you mentioned a whole group of people there. So, why are they short of everyone? I mean, I, I okay, I did, silly question really, because I'm going to go back to my favourite word. <laughs> um, but it's interesting how you say they are literally short of everyone. Have you personally noticed um, an exodus or, or fewer foreign people working in the NHS, specifically from the EU? For where you work or around? Not from from where I work, I wouldn't say. I think a lot of it is sickness, um, training, places at university, getting people that want to go into that profession yeah. when they know how bad things are. Yeah, because I saw a study today that said 57% of midwives are looking to leave. Does that feel accurate? I think so. Does that feel too low? <laughs> I, I think that, I mean, they mention midwives in the article, but I think it, it equates to a lot of people that work in the NHS. I think people are burnt out with the pandemic. And... There doesn't seem to be any respite. No. So people get tired and it's a struggle to find job satisfaction when you're working so flat out. And I feel that a lot of people leave the NHS because they feel they can't give the care. So the reasons that people went into the NHS, they can't actually fulfill those reasons are you scared when you go in yeah sometimes and and that's probably the most worrying thing in a way for me as your husband because most of us when we start work or go to our jobs um we could have very stressful days we could have very stressful jobs very rarely do we feel scared and and that's a hard thing to carry on doing over time i personally it's easy for me to say 
I don't think you can carry on at this rate for long. I don't think it's physically or mentally possible. I think that's the reason why people are leaving the profession in the numbers that they are because people can't see a light at the end of the tunnel. They can't see a difference. It just seems to be getting worse. People becoming more complicated and what does that mean just more complicated in their health needs so whether they've got underlying medical conditions or you know as it's been highlighted there's a lot of mental health conditions now um, a lot of anxiety and depression and it's very it's very hard to be able to give the support that these people need yeah and give them the care in the environment that we have to to work when you're so short staffed you you can't provide that care and that and that support so if you're saying you're so short-staffed now and you're at this point where, where you are, as you said, it's tough, and they talk about 57% wanting to leave, how, I mean, to me, when just seeing, hearing you say that and then seeing that number, that feels like it's heading... It's. What I can't see is the answer. The answer of the government putting up tax for the poorest in our society to just throw money at it isn't going to fix it. Money, you could, COVID-20 could arrive tomorrow and, and the government could say, here you go, Sean, here's £20 million, come up with a vaccine. Well, I would need the scientists. Money alone isn't going to do anything. So how do you solve this problem? You can't. Can I you? think it's, and I think that's the reason why there there isn't a light at the end of the tunnel. This is, as I say, it's finding, it's getting the funding. It's it's to in my in my personal opinion, having to pay nine thousand pounds a year to to do a university course to be a nurse. Now, somebody in the caring profession, a nurse, a midwife. You know, a lot of these positions, I don't feel need a degree. They're not even well paid, are they? Some of them, the nurses. No, I mean, you you wouldn't do it for the money. That's the thing. It's a vocation, and this is why it takes a special sort of person to be able to to give the care and support to the people that you look after. So I don't think that is really a degree level. And a lot of people, a lot of... There's so many people out there that would make great nurses and great midwives and um, and be really good members of, of the NHS in whatever role, but can't afford to go to university, can't afford to be, you know, £18,000 in debt or... Because... When you became a midwife, admittedly you wanted, part of it was you wanted to stop being an air stewardess because the kids were young 
and you weren't seeing them. But it was a real battle for us back then. It was. And, and, and when we had a bursary, I think it was £500 a month yes, you got in. I didn't do a degree. I did a, a diploma. Exactly. And I got a bursary. So totally different. And even the degree students, they got... Um, the NHS paid for their training. Yeah. And that was difficult enough. And how old, I mean, how old were you when you did that? Till I was 35, 34 when I started my training, I think. Now, most people who are 34 now tend to be tied up financially to the point that they can't just give up exactly. a huge amount of time um, without working. And because these courses are also quite full on, it's not like you can do the course part-time. And so, so that's yeah. my point, is that it feels to me like if you're talking about, number one, there doesn't seem to be a solution that's quick enough to deal with the problems that are there now. So we know mm. that can't happen. Money alone won't do it. Number two, are they looking to effectively fill the NHS with 22-year-olds after they've done a degree well, I and think, no experience. I do think that there is a solution in the fact that they could offer apprenticeships. It, yeah. That's how it used to be. It used to be, you know, nursing is a, is a vocation, midwifery is a vocation. You know, you have to really want to do the job and you have to know what the job entails. So offering apprenticeships where people can earn while they're learning and it's on the job training having a first in midwifery will not necessarily make you a good midwife no. neither there are many students that get a first midwifery but unable to practice because they can't actually do the job so i do think there is a there is a way of getting a, a different generation of people into nursing midwifery I really do by by offering maybe bringing back the diploma at university and with a bursary maybe bringing back apprenticeships and make it more kind of grassroots that doesn't feel like something that fits the philosophy of this government without without meaning to sound political and negative they don't tend to do things that don't have big business in mind not um, everything has to have a degree well no, and to be fair, a lot of that, that th this whole degree thing, I, I can't remember if the degree thing came in under the Conservatives or Labour, actually. Um, I suspect it was Labour because of the timings where to be, be a nurse, you had to get a degree. And maybe it fits with how modern health is, in that in some ways the NHS now is slightly more American in that you have to do so much paperwork, you have to cover everything against potential lawsuits and all that. It isn't a case of just being a nurse anymore, is it? You, you're almost having to think like someone who works in a corporate place to to not bring problems on yourself. Mm. Is it partly that you need to be able to do all that. Whether you need to be able to do it at degree level is very debatable. I think we have to find a way of bringing more people into the profession that aren't just all young, fresh out of school who can afford to go to university. Do you feel that 
I know it's a strange thing to say and it could be easy to say because we're around 50 now. You know when we've talked about how we feel that there's a, a lot of entitled people just out in the general population, things seem a bit more aggressive, just driving around, people seem angrier a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, number one, do you think there could be fewer people who have that bent to want to maybe go into uh, health and number two I'm curious do you I know it's a very difficult question for you to answer do you sense that in your work with maybe have I put it patients sometimes as a general rule do you do you get a sense of entitlement people having less respect for doctors nurses midwives than maybe they used to they used to be revered and people used to be grateful for any help they could I, get i do think it's just it's a generational thing so years ago people remembered what it was like before having an nhs and and basically in in the 19 you know 50s 60s 70s if someone in authority told you to do something, you would do it, whether it was a police officer, whether it was a lawyer, whether it was a, a doctor or a nurse, or whoever was in that, that position of authority, you tended to follow. And I just think in today's day and age now, people know what they want and they're not afraid to say what they want and... That's an incredibly diplomatic way to put it. That's quite good, actually. But it's it's true, isn't it? It's true to the the fact that that people true. don't want to be told. They want to be f to feel like it's it's completely their choice. They're given the options, and it's right, really. They're given the options, and they make a decision. They weigh up those options. And then they make a decision, so they're in charge of their own health and care, and they're in control. So to put another way, does it go too far more often than it used to? I presume. Mm. From, it, again, it depends. From what I hear, from what I read, it appears, I get a real sense sometimes of, ignore the, the, the loonies who, who, ha, who, you know, who, don't, who disagree with COVID and vaccines, etc., and we and to a point you have to as much as i have some sympathy with them in a bizarre way you know the people like during this pandemic and certainly at the start who hated health workers because they felt you were somehow getting all the breaks you were somehow privileged whilst at the same time their lives have literally fallen apart and whilst it's wrong to criticize health workers you know that NHS in the UK was have been the heroes the whole way through but I could almost understand the perverse thing when you reach a point of desperation that that you they didn't like the health system for a while all the people working in it but what I get a sense of is and I've heard this I had a chat with my mother last night she she and a few other people I know people I've worked with in that just all they want to do is criticise the people they interact with in the health system. Everything is, um, if they have to wait more than an hour, 
it's appalling and all that. Now, I never used to hear that. I was born in 1970, so I don't remember a time before the NHS. But I always, to this day, every time I've ever had to go into hospital, I've always been immensely grateful for anything they've done for me way before you worked in the NHS. It feels like that's going and that's sort of gone. There's, as, it feels to me a, a bunch of people sat in a waiting room. Half of them are ready to just demand because they, they forget that it's free at the point of yeah. service, isn't it? If you go to any other country, taken for you, granted, you pay maybe for everything, yeah, and probably taken for granted. Um, as to you know, shouting at the at staff members, I suppose NHS is a big business, and the nurses and the doctors and the receptionists, and they they are the front line of that business and we represent that business and therefore we become then the sounding blocks and it's it's very difficult as well and I do have some some sympathy because you have to remember the people that walk through the doors in the hospital are usually in pain unwell stressed beyond belief worried so they're out of sorts and sometimes it's just a way of hitting out. It's a strange environment, isn't it? It, it is. For some yeah. reason, whenever I've had to wait in a hospital, even for an hour, it feels eternal. It yeah, does. yeah. If I had to wait an hour somewhere else on a train platform for some, it wouldn't feel the same. And it's you, really you don't odd. See what happens behind those doors? No, and that's the so problem. So the door shut, and then you don't see another person for ages. You think they're only seeing that one person, but in actual fact, they've got a whole bay of people that they're looking after. It's the duck, isn't with it? Lots of people, yeah, lots of people interacting with them. So they don't, you know, they don't see that part of it, and. And just like you said, you wait for an hour and it seems like an eternity. I've said to, in many occasions, and I expect many nurses um, and healthcare professionals have said this, I'll be back in 10 minutes. What well, seems like 10 minutes to me then turns into an hour and a half and you, you don't even realise how long it's been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until you're just like, oh, or, or something can just go straight out of your mind because all of a sudden you're bombarded with something else, you're dealing with an emergency. or, But you can't tell another person, another patient that you would, you were dealing with an emergency or what the emergency was you can't give any information to anybody else so to that person it's very hard to understand you said you'll be back in 10 minutes and you weren't back it's taken you an hour and a half what's your explanation for that and they get annoyed because in that hour and a bit they've been steadily getting more and more and more annoyed because they don't they, they don't understand so it's just and if you're with somebody, if you're with somebody that you're worried about, it's it's kind of it's almost understandable, and I don't yeah, think they mean course. mean it a lot of the time. I mean, there will always, to be fair, there will always be people who just come in and demand yes, things and expect everything. But that would be the same if they went into a shop yes. when there's a queue for fuel. There's <clears> always <throat> exceptions, and. You know, people are very different and some people are more entitled than others. Um, and some people are quieter than others. But yeah. it's, it's just a, it's a very strange environment to be in. So I try and, uh, as a healthcare professional, I try and look at it from their point of view and try and see how I put myself in their shoes, I suppose, and, and try and understand how they're feeling. I suppose the worry is the fact that it will 
this will potentially snowball and whilst we have the issue at the moment with HGV drivers we've had the big fuel panic admittedly largely excuse the pun fueled by people just panic buying mm. um, we've got shortages of food on the shelves uh, we've got 120,000 pigs about to be slaughtered that won't be sold for me afterwards so we've got all these issues with regard to shortages of people yeah um and we've got the same issue in the nhs and the nhs potentially obviously is more crucial because it's people's lives and it's also a much longer period to train people up but i don't think that's any difference from hgv drivers it's not the, these are professions that you can't just walk off the street and decide to get in i've got a driver's license i can get in a great big you know, I, 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 I 50 believe, ton lorry and <laughs> i believe if i had a bit of cash behind me i don't think it's too much a few hundred but it's still you have to wait for the training you still have well, to train I, you yes, still but, have but, to have experience but the point i'm making is if, if they could for example sort out the training and even if they could they've already tried to cut the test down which is a bit silly but if they could i believe it's something i could do within six to eight months mm. i couldn't work in the nhs in any clinical role in six to eight months no you could in the current structure so that's the point i'm making and you know fruit picking and all that so, so so what i'm saying is with all that happening and arguably with the nhs being the hardest to fix quickly and something that possibly none of us know i personally believe you're going to see an exodus if you've got one and a half million job vacancies in a country and you've got people many of whom are not earning huge money in the nhs push to the limit i think you'll see quite a big number go to do completely different jobs that don't utilize their skills and this is one question that keeps we keep talking about you've got one and a half million job vacancies the government's answer is pay people more and they'll go to those jobs that's fine what about the jobs they're currently doing and the danger is you lose from the most important organisation in the country. The I, I do think another <clears throat> another angle of that is, you know, years ago, people could be a nurse until they retired at, at 65, 70. People yeah. could be a midwife until they retired. Still the, can, pace was, the pace was a lot slower. But now, the thought of doing this job yeah. in 10 years' time is very scary to me you know the and i think that's what people are starting to think about so so a lot of um a lot of nurses and and midwives in in those acute roles are starting to think okay i'm 40 now and i'm worn out can i still do this in 10 years time yeah can i do 30 years in this career and if i'm worn out now after 10 years could I do another 25 and so that's what goes through people's heads so that's why they started thinking okay well I don't think I could do this role so I need to look at a different role and maybe branch out somewhere or retrain for something or do something different whether that's a you know to say whether that's a step down into a less acute role as a nurse um you know, there's there's less acute roles as as a midwife. 
But on top of that, though, you've got the people who simply can't cope and have to get out now to yes. protect their own health. Yeah. Now that could be a substantial number of people. It could. I don't. I don't have the figures. I mean, the the study that you're quoting, it's a. It was a general question. So how many of that fifty-seven percent? I know they've realised that fifty-seven percent have left or thinking of leaving in the next year. Next year. Um, you know what? What percentage of that fifty-seven percent just want to leave, True. or thinking but wouldn't actually do it? Those numbers tend to skew higher in any job. Yes. People, well, you know, we've all worked with people who say, "I hate my job. I'm going to be out of here next year," and they retire there. But fifty-seven is high. Is high, yes. And the evidence in front of us um, is patently obvious. You've got two side to this you've got the people who, who can't cope but probably th- multiple sides you've got the people who just as you said are looking ahead and saying i can't i won't be doing this in a decade and then you've got all the job vacancies outside that potentially pay more money for a lot less stress so the pressure's coming from all angles and you've got the inability to get people into those roles quickly because of the nature of what the job is. Yeah. So, so something really weird happened. We finished the podcast. We did our 45 minutes. And for some reason, in voice memos on my Mac, it's showing it as 45 minutes. But the actual recording length is only 25 minutes. So somehow we've lost... 20 minutes of our lives having said that if you've just listened to the first 25 minutes you've lost 25 minutes of your life so we're still ahead joe um i think we'll just have to finish this now and and ignore all the wonderful stuff we said afterwards oh it was amazing wasn't it was just it? It's probably the best 20 minutes we've ever best done 20 minutes ever oh it was incredible but it's it was gone just like, now that moment's gone i know joe rogan would have been so jealous mm, of us exactly, wouldn't he Stephen yes. fry all yeah. of them all, the, all of the great podcast all the highly minds, paid <laughs> all of the hundred million dollar <laughs> highly paid people that don't have to worry so um let's just uh finish this okay the solution to this we can't see. No. Besides my old chestnut, chestnut freedom of movement. And maybe introducing apprenticeships but we, and we, not paying for university. But we've got an urgent situation. We have, but for the future, it's encouraging people into the profession okay. that we need. Long-term future is the apprenticeship idea. Mm. It's very good. Short-term future. There's no answer for the short-term future. Freedom of movement. Freedom of the movement. Although, why would someone want to come here? Um, Why would you want to come? Because I suppose to get the numbers we'd need, we would need them from the EU. Why would someone from the EU want to come to a country with the reputation we currently have, which sadly is not very... Positive. It's not positive. It's not friendly. It's not competent. There's, There's... there's, it seems to me everything I've I've seen a few uh, news reports and when they speak to people in the EU and that we're a bit of a laughing stock mm. because they see us as having left something that they can't understand why we would have left it 
And so why would they want to come over here? We saw this with the lorry drivers. Yeah. We've asked for 5,000 HGV drivers. And there's an argument at the moment as to whether 127 or 27 have applied. I've heard 27. But to be fair, there's no real job security. They're offering a visa up until 24th of No, no, no. They've lengthened that, apparently, for a few more months. There's still no job security, is there? No, I would have thought you've only got very few people. Mm -hmm. So... Even if you said freedom of movement, that alone doesn't solve it. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm being pessimistic, but I cannot see a solution that isn't, that that doesn't require too much of a political change for it to happen. Mm. I don't think they'll ever go for that. I don't think our government would allow a wholesale change. But they didn't plan for the wholesale change that's already happened. I don't know. It worries me. I don't want you to carry on doing what you're doing, if I'm honest. I think... I don't think it's possible to work at the level you and your colleagues are working at for that long. And I don't think it helps that so much of the country don't even recognise that and don't respect what's being done for them. I'm not sure they don't see it or don't respect it. I I think it's hard to truly know the levels that people are working in if you're not in that environment, to be fair. And... I suppose so. I it's easy it's for me the, to say because I see it few. every day. Yeah, I think you see a change in me when I'm about to go on shift. And... I suppose I wouldn't see... Or fully understand a big crisis in another industry or another. No, exactly. Yeah, I see what you're saying. That's a good point. And so it, it it can be difficult. And the people that openly criticise are usually a small minority. That, as you said before, would criticise any industry if they've had to wait or so. Yeah. I think it's difficult for people outside this profession to truly understand. The levels of stress involved. We'll see what the winter brings. Hopefully, mm. it will be um, a real fun and peaceful time for everyone. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, and all I can say is, uh, thank you for your service. <laughs> I hate that phrase. I don't know what it is about that phrase. I think it's because it's often said. There's something about that phrase that, to me, it feels a bit like, "How are you? Yeah, I'm fine." People often say it, don't they? Just as I, I get that it's respectful, but it sounds a bit cookie cutter sort of greeting, doesn't it? Oh, you're in the army. Thank you for your service. You know. <laughs> Thank you for talking to me. Goodbye. Bye.